Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. In 1992, after decades of overfishing, the Federal Government of Canada placed a moratorium on the cod fisheries. 25 years later, the moratorium has not been lifted and the towns built around the fisheries continue to suffer the economic impact. In terms of the financial state, the fisheries were a very important part of the economy here and that has gone, but it was also a very important part of the culture. The people in the, in the outports, so in those communities that would have been established around the fisheries, so they say, people out there don't have insurance, they don't buy insurance because their neighbor is their insurance. When you're living in such harsh conditions, where um, we have many a disaster of people lost at sea, communities have a, a very particular type of social fabric. And one of our sister centers at the University of Harris Center, which is a center for public policy, they released a piece of research, a document in 2017, I believe, that showed the sense of belonging people in this province feel to Newfoundland and Labrador is very high. It's higher Nicole Helwig is the manager Quebec, for the Centre for Social Canada Enterprise at the Memorial University of Newfoundland. Country. I asked so her why there, the work of the Centre is important to social enterprises, particularly in such a sparsely populated area of the world. Communities. For one thing, I think it represented a gap in our ecosystem. So we have a high-tech incubator at our university. There are entrepreneurial supports, but there hasn't really been any space for the types of conversations that we can host or the type of people and initiatives that we champion. So we were coming to fill a gap, but also to be something of a catalyst for further development of social enterprise in the province and to, to spark conversations around social innovation as well. So I, I often say that uh, we see social enterprise as a pathway to social innovation. And I say that because it is about how people are organizing for social change. It's also because we have some really fascinating historical examples of people organizing to address serious social challenges in the province and through social enterprise activity. We had an important cooperative movement. Now we have a town called Port Union, which is the only union-built town in North America where people came together to form a union. These were people who were, were fishers working in the fisher, fishing industry who were in a situation it was a system called the truck system, and they were living off credit, which was provided by merchants who would provide them their supplies, um, food, etc. at the start of the fishing season. The merchants also were able to control the price of fish that they would purchase. So it, it became a situation of exploitation. In this case, people came together to form the Fishermen's Protective Union and set out to disrupt that system in the fisheries. And it was very interesting to see that from that union came this town where they built their own industries. They had their own shipbuilding company. They started a hydroelectricity plant to, to supply the town and, and then towns in the vicinity. The idea of coming together as a collective voice and countering a system that was exploitative, 
and this this example, you know, every time I share it with students, and they would have heard the, the name in, in their history books, perhaps, but through the lens of social change and looking at you know, the power of people coming together around social enterprise, it really you know, captures people's imaginations. So as you mentioned, social enterprise really is the backbone to the survival of the economy that you live in. So what are you teaching them, the students that come to you? How do you teach them to respect that and understand what's going on? Well, we do a lot of activity that is co-curricular. So we, through the centre's own initiatives, we often speak about uh, social enterprise discovery. For example, we place students in different social enterprise environments to learn about different social challenges, but also just to see what does a social enterprise do? What does it look like? And gain that experience uh, and exposure from the inside. We also support an MBA in social enterprise and entrepreneurship, which is also very experiential. We've taken students to Port Union, for example, and visited the factory there and visited the, the home of the founder of the union and uh, you know, unpacked you know, the situation there. What does it look like? How does it that past history of activity tied to the present? What can we learn from that? So uh, we, we have a lot of focus on learning by doing, the, that component of experiential learning, developing through reflective practice, and really gleaning from the examples, both historical and contemporary, uh, of social enterprise that we see in the province. So you've mentioned the fact that youth migration is, is actually quite an issue for Newfoundland and Labrador. How do you counteract then that with social enterprise, with social ventures? Is it possible? That's something that I think about perhaps too often, <laughs> but certainly something that's an ongoing conversation um, in the province and something that I, I think about in terms of the Centre for Social Enterprise. One thing that we've been trying to do is encourage students to get outside the capital of St. John's. And so we've placed students in Labrador, on the West Coast, you know, in different rural parts of the province for them again to explore, discover. Recently, we've actually had a student from, or a couple of students from rural parts of the province who've gone back to their communities and have done some uh, social enterprise work uh, or some independent studies, internships, that sort of thing. And the hope is that the more we can do this, the more that, that students may again discover the value of their communities and have more opportunities to stay in their communities and, and be close to family. I also think right now we see a lot of interest in, in the tech industry. We have a local company here. It just had its exit for over two and a half billion dollars, which is rather unusual. People are celebrating this as a big success of what can be accomplished here again in a, in a fairly re remote place with a small population. I'd love to see how we could blend technology with social enterprise. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced many of us to work remotely. One area of potential I think that we see is people are looking for a different lifestyle. I mentioned not having long commutes, but also being closer to nature, you know, being in areas where with you know, fresh air compared to you know, the polluted downtowns and cities. Uh, remote work through social enterprise. We have some examples uh, that we've seen recently, whether it's talking about infrastructure or creating hubs where people again can gather and work. And I think that is one area of potential for, for rural and remote communities. If people are able to remain in their communities, 
and work essentially anywhere in the world, but through the internet, then I think we have some really exciting potential and communities which may be small, but ultimately might be amongst the most sustainable on the planet. Forgive me for sort of harping on about how rural and how far flung, as it were, Newfoundland and and Labrador is. But to me, it is a vast space that is sparsely populated and there are inherent problems within that. So what does it take then for a social enterprise within that environment to survive? So certain things that we're seeing are the importance of community ownership and community or community management of assets. We've seen this again through some built assets. We also had some very interesting examples from about 40 years ago where I spoke of the the collapse of our cod fishery. We do still have some fisheries that are active. And there were three different communities that either were given the licenses to fish or were given the quotas. So it was not given to an industrial fishing corporation or to individuals, but to the community to own and manage. And there have been some real success stories around those opportunities. But where where we do have some challenges, again, is is youth out migration. these, These are stories that are not so well known. And those who are running these social enterprises now are we need to be thinking about succession so that they can indeed be sustainable in the sense that they have some more people there to be able to carry on. Earlier, you made a lovely point saying that social enterprise is on the pathway to social innovation. Can you describe how you see that journey from one to the other? I think part of that is seeing, I sometimes refer to them as the individual points of light one really interesting initiative happening here, another one happening there. But when you start to connect those points of light or connect those dots, you see something of a pattern, um, maybe maybe resurgence is perhaps too strong a word. But if they're all connected through a common underlying theme of how do we continue to create value and sustain our communities and sustain our culture and our lifestyles, there is something that inherently makes them together, brings them together as a whole. And I can even stretch this a a bit farther in thinking about how small most of these markets are. And I think what we are able to present is an alternative to a system that is built or that depends on growth. If communities can exist in a way that is sustainable, That's a very exciting model at a time when we're facing global climate change and where the prevailing models of of growth certainly are unsustainable. How do you define social innovation? I'd distill it to, to organizing for positive social change. And again, thinking about the history of Newfoundland and Labrador and the longevity of some of the social enterprise initiatives, I think we have to recognize that there is no one point in time when something begins and something ends. The things are ongoing and evolving. So this dynamic aspect of change, I I think is fascinating. And when people organize for social change, that also is dynamic and it changes over time. I'm thinking in particular of an initiative 
called uh, Nonia. The Newfoundland Outport Nurses Industrial Association is celebrating 100 years this year. And they started out addressing healthcare in rural communities. Women would make textiles, handicrafts in their homes, which would then be sold. And the profits would go towards the hiring of nurses. And now we see Nonia still existing as a nonprofit, which essentially runs a retail shop in downtown St. John's. So the, the origin of the coming together has, has changed over time. If we go back to the, the origins, if we go back to the, the narrative of what was happening and why they, they came together originally, and that they exist today is something of a, of a testament to their importance way back when. My final question to you is, what was it that led you to this point in time to be such a fervent and passionate supporter of social enterprise? So I'm from St. John's, born and raised, but I'm a first-generation Newfoundlander. I've had experience in different parts of the world, and then I came back. I also have a background in performing arts. I'm a dancer. And so I've seen different environments. And when I come back to Newfoundland, the more I hear about what people are doing and what people have done, the more I'm wondering, why don't we know more about this? We, I really think we have something important to, to share. I think we have something important to contribute to conversations around social enterprise and social innovation globally. And I feel very privileged to be in this role, to be able to help capture and, and spread that outside our own boundaries. That was Nicole Helwig, manager of the Centre for Social Enterprise at the Memorial University of Newfoundland. You can find out more about the work of Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube.